Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to another week of our podcast, Med Family. Um, actually, I should probably say welcome back to our podcast, Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host, with Karen. Hey, guys. Uh, we have been out for a couple weeks, and of course, we are recording this as our kind of usual M.O. a day later than we typically do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, they always, I think, when, when you start on the journey of podcasting, there's, like, people who give you suggestions and helpful things, like, hey, have a few podcasts in the bank so you can use when you don't want to, you know, do a week. Or uh, when you're taking vacation, that way you consistently will be producing, you know, a, a show a weekly. Uh, we, of course... Uh, did not bank and we have one in the bank we are still working on editing and i just haven't really sat down and done the editing on because it will actually need editing uh <laughs> well so we, we had a we had a conversation with uh, another couple and it during the conversation our kids woke up from the they were supposed to be in bed as they woke up a few times and came out and and then there were side conversations that we had. Uh, and then there were conversations that we had that I just don't think that should be in the podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that one's going to require a lot more editing. I don't know if anyone has noticed in the whole process of this whole podcast, I have uh, essentially uh, reduced the amount of work I have done on the on the audio. I, tip it. I used to just kind of go through and get rid of the ands and uhs and the long gaps in our our, our talks, but I have since decided that that eats up a lot of time, and that take, kind of took me away from the family, took me uh, late into the evening, and kind of took away some precious sleep time, <laughs> so I, I just went with some very basic audio adjustments. But anyway, that's kind of a behind-the-scenes nonsense, but we uh, took the week off, a couple weeks off for Christmas, just to... Um, be family time and honestly we were uh, not in a rotation so <laughs> we weren't really feeling like we would have a whole lot of interesting things to discuss because we were just not doing rotation we were just doing typical family stuff yeah well we had high hopes for finding snow and for doing a few other things and it just didn't pan out um and we seemed to not uh be able to stay healthy. I think this is the, the sickest that we've been in a very long time. Um, <clears throat> just continually being sick. I'm sorry, I sound weird. Um, I think we finally have kicked the plague, knock on wood. <laughs> Everybody's fever broke, I think, yesterday, maybe. In varying degrees of illness. Um, so, like, Karen had a fever yesterday. And then I think it was broke overnight, and you might have had a little bit one today or something like that. Yeah, we're, I'm not sure. <laughs> our third, uh, our middle child currently, uh, he he tends to kind of play on his own and be a little bit more of a independent uh, play kind of guy, and so he has had dodged the illness and played for the longest, but he also kind of got sick, recovered, and is doing just fine. Never really changed much of his behavior. The only thing that was very consistent was his absolute refusal for Tylenol. <laughs> he, he got Tylenol. I mean, we we did what any good parent does is hold him down and <laughs> it sounds awful. It sounds his mouth. awful. I mean, they don't know it's good for them. But. <laughs> It's but. it's not enjoyable. As much as I'm laughing about it, it's, it's something you just got to do. You just give them the medicine. Um, there was a lot of Tylenol uh, that we gave our kids. Um, a large search for Tylenol. And Yeah, that, that's but. another exciting thing. If you don't know that children's medications are on a shortage in this country, you know, because we're not just a, a first world nation. We're a first world nation with, with children's medication shortages, I guess. Uh, sorry, that's a, 
it's a little aggravating because we had to like search around a little bit and to be fair we had first world problems where we I think um, did our online orders and a few of them didn't give us what we wanted and then we did a like an Instacart and the, that guy pr traveled I think from Macon down here to <laughs> deliver a Tylenol so not that we couldn't have done it ourselves we were just I was back in rotation and Karen is juggling three I, sick kids and a newborn <laughs> plus yeah. a non-sick kid. Yeah, so I don't know. I ended up, um, for all of you out there, I'm sure that any parents out there, what I ended up doing is I went on Amazon. <laughs> um, and so children's medications are more expensive and you get a smaller bottle, which makes absolutely no sense. Shortages, supply um, and demand, Karen. We've well, we, no, we took those but they, always, they always are have a smaller <laughs> bottle. But um, I went on and I found uh, like Jerry Care, which is geriatrics, <laughs> the elderly that can't swallow, <clears throat> and their their liquid Tylenol is the same concentration as children's Tylenol. Yeah, it's like one sixteen milligrams per five milliliters, or yeah, something like that. So but, it's like the same concentration, same medication. Yeah, but a ten dollar bottle is sixteen ounces versus a ten dollar bottle of children's Tylenol is four. So we will be getting a sixteen ounce bottle of Tylenol for next time because I mean with with several kids that are on liquid Tylenol, you can go through a small bottle of Tylenol within a day just based off of the different dosages <laughs> that each kid is taking. Um, and to be fair, we, we did have a hard time finding the liquid Tylenol, so that was reserved for the youngest, and then we we tried... We had a dissolving Tylenol, like yeah, a powder. That's, yeah, that's a, a new... Uh, that was different. That's a new one. And that one actually <laughs> went over fairly well with our older two. Um, especially since, like, when we make the crystallite juice, they like to lick, like, the... The very concentrated powder. The very powder. concentrated powder <laughs> that's left in there after you dump it all into the water. So it's it's reminiscent of that. So I think we had a little less... Um, arguments uh, on that one. So that wasn't too bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it was very much what I would say is probably the flu, just a fever, um, maybe some aches, just tired, tired and fever and aches. I, it's basically, and then we, we, me and you and our oldest two had like a post nasal drip with a cough. So that's always exciting. Uh, I I have lucked out. I think. Our baby has lucked out. Our newborn has uh, been, I think, adequately protected by the breast milk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she does not. She has not spiked any sort of fever, and that's been wonderful. Knock on wood. Um, and I have not had a temperature that I have recorded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have. I have felt warm and cold. But I, every time I use the thermometer to see where I'm at, I'm, I'm basically normal. So. I'm just gonna chalk that up to I had the flu shot earlier this this year as part of my one of my rotations. you know, you just you get up to date on all your shots, and it it probably didn't prevent me from getting maybe a little bit of sickness, but it prevented me from getting like the full full brunt of it. So I have been relatively fine, just a little bit of post nasal drip and um, no fever. So uh, I started my rotations this week because. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, like, you know, if you just have a runny nose, you're not, it's not a big deal. You shouldn't take a week off because you have a runny nose, uh, especially in the medical field where you just kind of have to see patients. Um, you just take precautions. You wash your hands often and, you know, you take the precautions necessary to make sure you don't spread it. And, and you know, I'm not getting particularly close to a lot of patients in this rotation, uh, but uh, just rewinding it back a little bit. Um, we had the Christmas holiday. We had a, we had to trick our kids into thinking that Santa Claus came on the twenty fifth and only stuffed the stockings, and then would come three days later to give us give them the rest of the presents. So <laughs> we had um, Eric's parents coming into town after Christmas, and so um, we celebrated Christmas late 
Um, and it went it went fine. It went um, pretty good. The stockings held them over mostly until um, Christmas. And to be quite fair, like the first several years of their life, we had very small Christmases. And on the island, oh, I think yeah. we had like one toy a piece. So I mean, they didn't go all out. I mean, when they're very little, like they don't care. Uh, that's just the truth. Like you know, baby Evie doesn't care. Um, and like even our middle child, he he opened one present, and it was like a alphabet book, you know, of words. And he just opened it, looked at it, and was like, "And this is what I'm going to play with for the rest of the day." He like refused to open anything else for the rest of the day. Yeah, his siblings helped him out with that one, but <laughs> um, um, yeah. So like. Kids, some kids don't really care. Uh, obviously, our older two children uh, appreciate the magic of Christmas, uh, they, and they have uh, appreciated the 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 added threat of Santa Claus coming or going uh, <laughs> <laughs> to motivate them to go to bed or uh, to to clean up, so that Santa Claus doesn't trip and die. Apparently, that's a thing I heard our daughter <laughs> that, say. The that other is day. <laughs> not what I told her. I just said if Santa's coming down the chimney, he shouldn't have things that he's gonna step on that will hurt him. She apparently interpreted that to that he will die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, little when Legos the hurt. Was like trying to lay a trap for Santa. I think he was like he wanted to catch him. It's <laughs> like, what do you hope to accomplish? <laughs> Thankfully, uh, again, they didn't wake up and find out that mom and dad were out in the main room wrapping presents. Uh. Yeah, because naturally, <laughs> naturally, with the three extra days, did we have everything wrapped before the, they were supposed to no, go out under the tree? Not. Absolutely not. And we can do were, it tomorrow. If the kids were really industrious, they would have found piles of boxes in our bedroom <laughs> of unwrapped toys <laughs> that were waiting for the production. Yeah, that is one thing that... I have to say about Amazon, like we doing all of our Christmas shopping early. We we did find deals, um, and it was cheaper to get it in person than on Amazon for a few things. So I went ahead and wrapped them. We boxed them up and we mailed them out, and that's not actually cheaper <laughs> because. Um, Shipping them actually negated the savings that we had. So yeah, it's just and, better. You better buying and telling it to go to the address you want it to go to. Yes, but I have never appreciated people paying for Amazon wrapping as much before because you're not only wrapping <laughs> your gifts, but you're wrapping everybody else's gifts too. So yeah, yeah, because you get a bunch of gifts from people, and it's like, oh, this is for the kids, so I have to wrap it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But my sister actually sent a few presents, and uh, she paid for the 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 gift wrapping. You know, I mean, it was a it was a glorified Christmas bag. It's nice. I think you kept it for the next time you want to use it. Um, anyway, so that that was our magic of Christmas. <laughs> uh, we we got you know we had our fake we brought our fake tree down. We have the garland that blocks every signal to the TV. And He's not bitter at all. It also <laughs> blocks our child, our middle child, from from playing with and possibly breaking the switch. So yeah. there's there is benefits to this. Yeah, it's it's kind of a pro and con. It just, <laughs> it's really aggravating when you try to switch the input and you just like I have to be literally in on the TV in order for me to switch an input. And like at that point, why don't I just push a button? What's the point of a remote control if you just you're gonna have to stand on on top of the TV anyway? Anyway, that's my my only bitterness. It's the smallest violin playing. I know it's for the for the beautiful beautiful garland that we have. <laughs> It'll get taken down this week. Yeah. Um. So, uh, like I mentioned, we we started uh, neurology uh, rotation on Tuesday since Monday was a holiday, and. Uh, yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, it, the doctor is—he's um, a neuro, obviously a neurologist, and no hospitals, all outpatient. And so we go to his clinic in the early morning, and he's got a def definitely a different style. Uh, He—he—I think he's very motivated to be a teacher. Uh, he mentioned that his in his past life or prior to being 
a neurologist here in, in Macon, Georgia. He was uh, an associate uh, program director uh, at a program in Texas. So he has a already kind of a pedigree of teaching. And <laughs> whether we like it or not, we are going to learn. Uh, I know some people joke around fourth year, uh, fourth year no rules, and uh, there's definitely an... Uh, oh gosh, there's definitely a habit where like you're so close to the end, you just got to put in the time. You got to do 27 weeks. You got to do your interviews and match. And, you know, all you got to do is match. And so really some of these rotations don't really, uh, I mean, you're going to gain knowledge, but there's definitely a feeling that I just got to get through it. I just got to pass and then I get to be a doctor and then I get to my residency. Like that's, that's the prize right now is getting to that residency. And so there's definitely a feeling amongst peers that you just kind of want a rotation that you can coast through. <laughs> that, that is not, uh, I guess, what I have in store for myself. But, I mean, I coasted pretty nicely in radiology, uh, I'm not going to lie. And even my cardiology rotation, my electrophysiology rotation, I learned a whole bunch. But, like, it, it wasn't, like, a demanding rotation. I did have to read a lot of articles and journals and that was uh whew, time consuming. Uh <laughs> but like this one we'll have a topic like Miles Stevie Gravis and before we could even like give him an answer on he's like look it up. And so like we spent a lot of time looking up stuff and looking up answers that he you know he's looking for a particular answer to something. Um so we have a group chat and that's about all we put in the group chat is uh things that we're supposed to look up. So it's uh, a very interesting situation. And of course, um, our, my, my background of neurology isn't the best. I did decently well in our neuroscience class. I did have some undergrad neuroscience as well, but like if I'm, I would not say I'm anywhere good at neurology. I kind of understand certain things and there's just like a neuroanatomy that's not, really my strong suit so uh i'm basically trying to uh scrape off some of the dust of uh third term neurology and try to relearn a little bit of it and like if a patient has a stroke in the medulla um you know the 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 pica the uh, posterior inferior uh, cerebellar artery what's going to be affected and so those kind of questions kind of come up and then, of course, when we see patients, uh, we talk to the, a lot of the new patients. We have to try to make sense of what the presentation is. Like, if the patient is coming in post-stroke, uh, then we are going to have to ex try to explain where the stroke might have come from and how that makes sense. Like, uh, So, for example, we actually did have a very interesting patient the other day. Uh, well, uh, sorry, I should say... Tuesday was our first day. Today is Wednesday. So on my first day, we had a very interesting patient. Uh, and he he had presented with a history of stroke. And we had gone through the history. And it wasn't me leading. It was my my, my partner, uh, Chris. He's the He was leading the history taking. And like we kind of regroup after we talk to the patient and talk about the patient before we talk to the preceptor because, like, we want to actually get our story straight and <laughs> want to make sure we're we're feeling good about our presentation. And I think we both came to the conclusion like we have a if it, if it is a stroke, we can give our best guess on the anatomy that was affected, but the presentation didn't make a whole lot of sense for a stroke, uh, namely being like bilateral leg weakness didn't make a whole lot of sense, um, but not bilateral upper extremity weakness <laughs> so it was a, a very weird presentation for a stroke and it turned out that um our preceptor listened to our presentation was asking questions we answered as best as we could um and then he went ahead and looked at some of the radiology reports and was like no this person has never had a stroke so uh kind of an interesting <laughs> situation he's gonna obviously run more tests and confirm what we think is going on and it's uh yeah it was very a very unique uh case presentation and it really kind of tests uh your knowledge of the brain how the brain works where the nerves go um and then of course uh, during the downtime 
with our, this particular precept, and this is going to be good for me because I have this tendency. If you haven't, if you listen to the podcast in any meaningful way, whenever I talk about medical stuff, sometimes I have a tendency to be very imprecise with how I say things. So, uh, as an example, we were discussing why a patient might have vertigo or dizziness following a stroke, a uh, stroke affecting one of the central nervous systems. So the brainstem uh, in this particular case. So why would a patient have dizziness from a stroke? And um, my, myself thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, dizziness is regarding the uh, vestibular uh, organ in the brain or the semicircular canals. Uh, those all things get connected. And that's uh, the cranial nerve eight, the um, vestibular cochlear vestibular nerve and so i just kind of that's what's the first thing that came to my mind i was like oh just because it affects the uh, cn8 and my preceptor doesn't particularly like imprecise things so he was like no you're wrong i'm going to call you out every time you're imprecise because that's not correct and after some kind of back and forth it, he's looking for the the cochlear vestibular nucleus uh, which is in the brainstem, you know, all these central nerve, uh, all these cranial nerves come out of the brainstem. Um, I, I, I will, <laughs> I feel a little bit bad for this. So you, he makes you watch a lot of, he has these videos, NeuroEd, uh, they're on YouTube, NeuroEd, and he, he's got these videos that he makes all the students watch before they come to his rotations. And I watched them. And then so when he was quizzing me and he said, he was like, hey, so are any of the cranial nerves central? And because he, I, I think he was, he's leading me towards the no. And I was like, no, one of them is cranial nerve two. Um, sorry, cranial nerve, um, yeah, two, I think is what I said, uh, which is the optical nerve. And that's a central nerve. Uh, and then he paused and you could see he was kind of frustrated because like I had watched his videos and in his videos he said cranial nerve 2 is a central nerve and so he was a little frustrated He's like okay I'll give you that but all the other ones are no all the other ones are peripheral so anyway uh, it's been he's, he's a fun guy like he's he's there to teach you he's there to kind of push you um, but he's also he's I think he wants wants to see his students do well. He wants to see that they're being successful. He was, I think, generally impressed that we, me and Chris, have uh, a good number of interviews lined up and um, have a, kind of an idea where we want to go. What we're in, that we're actually we have relatively decent programs that we're interviewing at. So, I think he was happy to see that. I don't know. We we will see. Um, kind of how our treatment uh, progresses. Uh, uh, next week, we get two more students from um, Medical College of Georgia. So, oh. yeah. So the mix he gets a he gets a mix of students from Medical College of Georgia and Trinity School of Medicine. But like, as much as I'm 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 complaining that oh he's making me work. He's going to he's doing all these topics I have to look up and we have to discuss all this stuff. Like we'll see. I don't know, 10 patients a day. We we start at about 8 o'clock, and then we're done around 3, 4. I mean, my, okay, so Tuesday was an exception. We got we got done at, like, 6, or 5.36 or something like that. But, like, most of the average day, we're going to get done around 2, 3 o'clock. So, I, and then we don't have a one particular day we don't actually come into. So... I'm not going to talk too much about that until later. <laughs> yeah, well, and today, today um, they got done relatively early. Eric had an interview today, so he did the interview, and then when he got done, he texted, and they told him just not to come in because they were almost done. Yeah, they had they had seen the last they were seeing the last patient, so they're like, no, no point in coming in. Yeah, um, and that was like at one o'clock or so. So yeah, and I mean. I guess a good way to kind of transition to the interview. So I, today I wrapped up my last. I, I, ten of ten. <laughs> uh, which is pretty good. I mean, we we scheduled most of our interviews like one one a week, sometimes twice a week. And this was our very last one. We we did have one over the Christmas holiday. And this we had two over the Christmas holiday, I think. 
And this is our, this was our, um, very last one that we had scheduled. And, uh, you know, again, very nice. Generally speaking, like all these interviews I've had, uh, the, the, the interviewers are all very nice. They're all, again, trying to put the best face and foot forward. Um, there's some strengths and weaknesses of every program. Um, and it, it is difficult. And I think honestly, if I could go back over, <laughs> would I, um, but <laughs> if I can go back over and redo some of my earlier interviews, like, would I ask different questions? Uh, definitely. I, um, during my electrophysiology rotation, Dr. Poku really made an effort to talk about like, well, how do you, you, know, you gotta find out where these faculty members are going to come from like are they just a a random group of hospitalists that kind of get thrown teaching on top of their regular duties or are these people that actually want to do the teaching at their you know they're actually there to teach you um and those sort of things like um and then of course like just different ways you ask questions and different things you might not know that you would want to know that someone else asked and then you're like oh man I, I kind of wish I knew more about that from other programs. Uh, like, for example, like, if you want to do procedures, if you want to do IJs, or uh, if you want to do lumbar punctures and those sort of things, like, and you got to ask. you got to ask, like, what's my, op- what's my opportunities look like? But sometimes it's not even just asking that. It's trying to find out, are you going to have to compete with other residents for those opportunities? Because a lot of times the program might tell you, oh, yeah, for sure you have opportunities. But then you might have to compete, you know, and or you may not have a, an attending that is willing or wanting to teach that. Uh, and other programs might be like, oh, uh, yeah, we we get you certified within the first three months. And then once you're certified to do an IJ, you can teach the IJ to anyone else. And so like the opportunities to do procedures are just abundant. Uh, so, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not calling out any particular program. Um, but those are things I wish I knew earlier in the interview cycle so I could have asked and maybe had a better way to assess different programs. Um, and things you learn, I guess, towards the end. Uh, the the only... Um, I, we touched on this probably the last podcast. I can't remember. One of the... I always ask a lot of the uh, the program directors and attendings that I interview with, like, what would you recommend a fourth-year medical student do to prepare for intern year. I also asked a variation on that question on what do you think is something that fourth-year struggles with when they become an intern. And generally speaking, I, I, I don't think most of the answers have changed since uh, last I talked about it, but I did get a couple of new, uh, kind of newer answers. Uh, um, today, two of the faculty members said, look up like the top 10 things people get admitted to the hospital for. And I mean, it's a, I mean, it kind of sounds like a no-brainer. Like, <laughs> it, you know, like okay, why are people getting admitted to the hospital? There's got to be the most common things, and then how to recognize it and how to treat it. And that I mean, that will knock out at least I don't know eighty, you know, hopefully sixty percent of your your first you know intern year for the patients that you get on the wards, and then. Uh, the other thing that I, I got was how to recognize when a patient's about ready to have an emergency. You know, learn about trying to recognize the signs and symptoms of a patient who's about ready to undergo an emergency problem. And once you can recognize it, you can catch it. And you can act accordingly. It's like, oh, that's actually kind of a... Because, like, you know, if I if a nurse called me in the evening and said, oh, your patient is having these signs and symptoms and this is what the vitals are, like, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could be able to point to and be like, oh, she's, they're about ready to go into respiratory arrest. We got to do something. Like, I don't know if I would know that. <laughs> so uh, good, good advice I think I got from some of these faculty yeah. members. Um, uh, kind of along this line, as far as interviews, um, I know we're, I think sometimes we review a little bit more information on the interviews and sometimes we review less. I mean, part of that is um, me and Karen talk about a lot of this stuff offline, so Karen kind of already knows what I'm talking about. Um, and I'm, I'm making a spreadsheet of some kind that me and her will go over that will help us figure out rank order because we have to do that in February. Um, but there's a lot of... Uh, <laughs> 
game, I'm going to say there's a lot of gamesmanship. Um, we're trying to be very careful with this, this podcast. Like, this podcast doesn't really bring us, it doesn't bring us any money. Um, it's a fun thing that we do. It's a fun thing, I think. I hope that we give enough information back to people who are uh, just a little bit behind us, and hopefully it helps them uh, prepare better for their future and that they don't have to worry about X, Y, or Z. They don't have to stumble the ways we stumbled. Uh, and they can be better prepared and be more focused on uh, the medicine, the clinical rotations, all of that fun stuff. Um, but at the same time, we want to match. <laughs> so there's a little bit of gamesmanship here. So I, I don't really... We'll, we'll talk more about it after I think we've matched and be a little bit more uh, transparent. I mean, obviously, there are certain things as far as the interview goes that we are, you know... we. In order for me to have interviewed with this particular program, I had to sign some sort of non-disclosure agreement. So I can't necessarily go into like all the questions I get asked because they want to be able to ask other students and not and you know not feel like the all the trade secrets are out there. But at the same time, like we don't really want. I mean, the programs that have pluses and minuses, and we don't really want to outwardly drag any of these programs because. Honestly, like these are ten programs that, you know, I, I submitted my applications out to hundred and seventy-seven programs, and these are ten programs that have gotten back to me. You know, you go, you do the odds on that, and said that they actually like me, and they actually would be interested in me being a resident at their program. So, even though they might have some, you know, cons that might make, you know, maybe they put the, the down a little bit further down the rank list mean that we are going to have to rank 1 through 10. So there's, there's going to be a number 1 program and there's going to be a, a number 10 program. That's just kind of how it goes. Um, we, you know, I, I'm pretty sure at this point, like, we could be very happy in a number 10 program. I mean, if I, I'm, I'm lining up the rank list I have in my mind right now, I would be fine in the number 10 program. I'd be fine in the number 5 program. I mean, I, of course, would be ecstatic in the number 1 through 3, you know. Um, yeah. And that's not just to say, like, I would be happy to match. I, for sure, I it'd be devastating not to match. But I don't want to trash these programs because, like, I would be happy with any of them. And then at the same time, I don't really, I mean, there's a possibility program directors listen to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> it, it is brought up in just about every interview I've had. So, it, I mean, if they were doing their due diligence, they might listen to the podcast. And I certainly don't want to trash another program or their program and then feel like that's a liability for me. But I will talk, I guess, more. I'm, I'm fine talking about like my process, how I approach these interviews, and the questions I, I ask because I think I um, I want to know more about the program, but also I kind of want to know about the mentality of the faculty members, and I want to know kind of. I also just want to get advice. You know, like I may not I may not be in that program. There's a one in ten chance. You know, I get. You know, I, I end up at that program, so like, if I can get a little bit of advice from them, I may never see them again, but I've gotten some advice, you know. Yeah, and I don't know. It, it is an interesting process because you never know how you're getting ranked. And you, like, even now, I don't know if we have a definite, like, this is how we're going to rank everybody. We definitely have our top three, but even within that, like, I don't know which one's going to be number one or which one's going to be number two or which one's going to be number three um, because they all have different aspects that we like um, and different aspects that we're like, well, um, but even I, I think right now we kind of have it divided into like our top three and then we've got our a middle, <laughs> our middle, middle four, five. Four, yeah, and then our bottom two. Um, so we've got our top, but like the middle portion, even those ones were just it. You can move them around. You can move the them place. around they, all over they the place. Go and, from seven to th you know fourth. <laughs> uh, right, and so I, I mean, we still have have to talk about it together and rank them. But as, as it's sitting right now, like I was talking to Eric's mom over Christmas and 
my ranking is different than Eric's ranking, but I'm not looking at necessarily... Um, you're not the, looking at the curriculum of the program. You're looking more at I, the, the program a little bit, like how family-friendly, and then, of course, cost of living. Cost of living and how it would uh, resources available to, <laughs> to me as... as well, and I'm not a single mom, but in, in a sense... Sometimes you are. Sometimes... I am. <laughs> so um, just resources available and kind of the community. So um, it is It is kind of interesting, and it'll be an interesting conversation that Eric and I have when ranking. Um, and and, and I, I will stress, like, it's not, even though Karen's saying, oh, well, his top three is different than my top three. Like there's a reason why we're saying it like that is like because we're going to come together and we're going to talk and you know I'm 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 obviously doing this journey with Karen I'm sure I'm the med student and sure I'm going to be the doctor um, but like I have to take care of my family I have to make sure the family is happy with where we end up and so we're going to talk through a lot of this and I think that's probably the appropriate thing to do is to talk with your spouse yes. and really like and, make and sure they're on board with what you're doing like if if Karen were to, I mean again like we're going to go back to this kind of often like we didn't apply to 177 programs that we pulled out of a hat we went through a whole process yeah so these and it are, was a lot of work these are all things that we can make work is just, you know, on the scale of what do we really want to make work and what would we be okay with making work. Yeah, uh, and to be fair, the top three that I picked and the top three that Eric picked are the same. They're just in different order. Sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we are on the same page in those regards. Yes, yes. And, yeah, so that I would definitely recommend if anyone, any married person, I think it'd be insane if a married person just made a decision about telling, or talking to over with their wife. But I really think that, like, obviously you should have input in the process. And, and I've made that relatively clear to a lot of programs is that, like, we talk about it. It's not just me. Like, me and Karen, we go over things, we talk about things. And sometimes when we do, like, I've had a chance to do a second look at a program, like, I haven't, Karen has not been able to go with me on that. I think logistically it's hard to pack up five kids and <laughs> really um, do a second look. Uh, so I don't know. We're, we're going to have another opportunity, at least one more opportunity for a second look in the near future. Um, but again, we I just try to talk to Karen all the way through things and just to get what her impressions are and, because, again, we're just going to be a team up this, and I want to make sure that she's going to be okay because, like, if she's miserable and the kids aren't well, you know, well-supported, not because Karen's a bad mom or anything, it's just because, like, just the environment's just not conducive for our family life, then, you know, obviously once we made the selection, we're stuck with it for three years. Um, but I want to try to make sure we find the right fit for us in the on the onset as best as we can. Um, and again, at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to the rank order list. Like, if we rank these top three programs top three and they don't rank us at all, <laughs> you know, it's going to be the next one. Um, and, you know, if it gets all the way down to number 10, like I said, we'd be happy to go to number 10. Um, all these programs we feel like would be a good fit. It's just some might feel like a better fit. Right. Um, so, again, that's a kind of recapping. We're just... We're trying to play our cards a little close to the chest just because um, we we don't want to hurt our chances on matching anywhere. We don't, and I'm not that I have any inclination to trash any program. I just I would like to be a little bit more uh, transparent about how we how, how we thought through the process and what we viewed as pros and cons, and we can go through that later after the match, but. Um, and, and, and then there's a lot more to vary. this. And there's a lot more to this match also because, like you know, I, I did a, a couple of away rotations and we talked kind of vaguely about at least one of them. And and then this match has um, been, you know, as a whole, there's more to this match than I think we've talked about. And I think we could talk more about it, but I'm just not going to do that until after March. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after March seventeenth, then we can really crack open those books and. Um, 
share share a lot more so that people can learn a lot more. I would just say throughout this whole process, <laughs> throughout this whole process, to just go into each interview with an open mind because I feel like we have been su- pleasantly surprised with several of the interviews that we originally thought, no, like, no, that's going to be fairly low. And to be honest, uh, one that we were thinking that was going to be very low is within our top three, just based off of the opportunities it would afford us. And just, yeah, just going to that uh, interview and feeling and getting, we got sold real, real well on that, <laughs> on that particular program. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just go into every interview with an open mind and as prepared as you can. And as much as I'm, because you can't, there is no possible way that you can look at all of these programs when you're initially submitting your application, unless you're only applying to like 30, which is, I, I know very few people that only applied to 30 programs. Well, those are the people who um, <laughs> are connected, uh, either well connected or like they, you know, they, they have the numbers, they have everything they are the complete package. <laughs> you know, the, the U.S. MD with the great board scores, with the research, and uh, a great personal statement, great stories. And I was just like, yeah, wherever I want to go is where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, so... I have my backup school <laughs> is Harvard, you know. Those, those, good for you. This is probably not advice for you. <laughs> but... That being said, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> but you know it's true. There are people who are. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like I'm. I'm a. I'm a knuckle dragger, but like compared to them, I'm playing with crayons. Uh. <laughs> it all depends on your situation, but just um, go into everything with an open mind, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, and then just try and weed out what's most important to you, and try and ask questions directed. At towards that um yeah i do think that it was a good idea for us when we were interviewing to space them apart so that there was ample time to prepare for each and every one i know other people did not do that and that is fine i and eric did have one week where he had two interviews they were a couple days apart they were a couple days apart um but, yeah. And I think a lot of, I will say, like, just reflecting back as far as our interviews and, like, our applications, I, I mean, sure, if I would have known the 10 programs that were going to give me a chance, I would have just given those 10 applications out and saved myself a few thousand dollars. But, like, yeah, obviously you can't think like that. Um, so, like, I have no real, no real regrets on um, sending out those applications. Because, like, honestly, like, Maybe two. I'm still like mostly surprised by all the application, all the um, invites I got. There was probably no way for me to be like, oh, I'm definitely going to get an invite from this program. Like, uh, you know, honestly, I thought for sure I was going to get an invite from one particular program, and I got nothing. <laughs> so um, that was interesting. Uh, <laughs> it felt it hurt a little bit, but you know, uh, there's nothing guaranteed in this process, and. Um, and, and I mean, it, looking back at that, even that, it's like, that might be a mixed blessing, you know? Um, but so, you know, how, we, how we approach this process, I, I don't, I feel at this point I would have changed anything. I, I still would have applied to 177 programs. I still would have spaced my interviews out the way I did. Um, I still would have prepared for my interviews the same way. I just wish maybe having have a little bit more experience with the interviews. I maybe would have done the first few a little bit differently. Um, not that I feel like I answered questions wrongly. I just uh, I feel like by the end of this cycle, it's like I have better questions. I have better things I, I kind of want to pull out of the program to find out more about, interrogate the program about, just to find more specifically what I'm looking for. And... I didn't do that for the first three programs, and, you know, <laughs> uh, I wish I could go back and redo it. And I guess I, I they do send you emails 
addresses that you can send them you know, questions back to. So I could theoretically send a question out to those programs uh, just to clarify those questions, but we'll see. Um, that was, yeah, we basically kind of wraps up our, our interview. I, I, I just, before we kind of close out for this week, I just, I, I have started a hobby. I, I did get asked, so you do get asked quite often, like, what's your hobbies uh, on some of these interviews? <laughs> and, uh, you know, usually it's like, okay, yeah, I play soccer. Um, I do the podcast, obviously. And then, um, you know, when, when the occasion arrives, I fix cars. And then uh, this week it kind of dawned on me, like, well, I, I do have this tendency to find broken things and fix them. I mean, broken cars do qualify for that, but I, you know, obviously uh, a few months ago I, I bought a broken iPad <laughs> Pro 11 inch and I fixed it so that Karen will now have a fairly nice iPad. And then I found. Um, one of the magic keyboards for very cheap. Someone was selling it because they, they went to clean off the keyboard and they, uh, <laughs> they couldn't figure out how to put it all back together and so they were just going to go ahead and sell it. And in my thought process is like, which is because you're not really competent uh, and I am relatively competent at figuring out things like this, I can do it. And, and sure, that you know it was a pretty decent price and we did have to buy like three, four keys. Um, and that's taking a little while. <laughs> all in all. All like, the way from China. <laughs> all the way from China. You wouldn't believe how hard it is to find keycaps for these magic keyboards. Um, <laughs> that's besides <laughs> the point. Um, but like, I, I enjoy doing this. And so um, it reminded me that I have a an upcoming project that should arrive in the mail sometime soon. And again, I think Karen kind of hates this about me. but So I, I've been thinking about how Apple makes these home pods and we have these little mini home pods and those are great. They have decent, good, good sound on them, but like they make the big home pods that have much better sound. And it's like, well, I would love to have one of those, but we're poor. Uh, we can't, <laughs> we can't afford the $400 home pod. Uh, and yeah. So I, I have found one that is broken and I try to find like, the reason why it's broken like is it flashing lights is it just doesn't turn on what's you know what triggered it to be broken sometimes the sellers will reveal that information like when i bought karen's ipad it was on a boot loop and i had to do a little bit of research like how do you get an ipad out of a boot loop and then after researching a little bit and going okay i can fix that um and you have to kind of i mean there's an optimistic side of you that's like oh i'll just do the power reset and it'll fix it. Like you gotta probably assume that someone with a thousand dollar iPad is <laughs> has figured out how to do the power reset. So what's the next thing? What's the next hardest thing? And if you can do that, then sure. Um, honestly, I was a little scared. I wasn't gonna be able to fix that iPad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it took him a good two I days. I did shock myself in the process of trying to fix it too. So <laughs> not a good sign I thought I, I I thought I completely bricked it when I did that um, <laughs> um, anyway <laughs> so I, I, I found this whole, Eric doesn't do electrical <laughs> I, I do electrical I just he sometimes I get electrical. a little preoccupied I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing and I grab two ends of a component and that doesn't go well it creates a spark um, anyway I found this home pod <laughs> that won't turn on after an update and so i found a few videos and there's this guy that basically does i kind of watch you through this entire teardown and he's like yeah I've, I've worked on six different home pods that won't turn on and five of the six it was this diode that died and here's how you can test it and like he shows you how to do it with a multimeter I'm like, I hey i have a multimeter and <laughs> So it's like, oh, I just have to be careful about how I tear this thing down. And I just have to replace, possibly replace one component on the circuit board. And I'm in business. I got myself a $400 HomePod. Like, this is going to be great. Um, but Karen has made me promise that this is something I do at night and not all day on a Sunday or something. So This is something he does after the kids go to bed. Apparently my hobbies have to be my hobbies. <laughs> I need a break sometimes yes, too, yes, which means you get to do this on your own time, not on our time. <laughs> so, yeah, 
anyway, that was just a side thing that we're we're kind of doing and working on. Anyway, um, we will probably be back next week. Um, we will be back next week. I hope you guys had a great Christmas and a happy New Year. And um, you can follow us on Instagram. I don't post a lot on there, but I do try and keep up a little bit. She does the memes. It's not, I, I, I give the approval. Um, but she, I, I, something tells me sometimes she posts it before she gets the approval. Maybe. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Um, yeah, we will, um, go ahead. Yeah, MedFamilyMD. That's the Instagram. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah, you can send messages. You can kind of follow us there. Then any podcast streaming, pod, or any podcast uh, that you use, Amazon, Apple Music, or Apple, um, Spotify, whatever, we are present on all those. Uh, I have had people ask me if I do a video podcast, and I will kindly remind people I have a face for radio, so <laughs> I am not doing video. And uh, I will hearken also back to the beginning of this podcast that I don't really like doing a whole lot of editing, and video pod uh, video editing sounds a magnitude worse than audio editing so <laughs> no we, thank you we don't uh, have time for that <laughs> no, no one has time for that i don't get paid enough for that um so no thank you uh it's i had a roommate who did like wedding video photography and um and he was very good at it and he, he was very good but he was always always, always annoyed with people because people always assume that well anyone with a camcorder could have done that and, like, why does it cost so much more to have a video? And he's like, do you not understand how much more work goes into, <laughs> like, pictures cost money, obviously, to have a photographer there than the editing that goes on after the fact. He's actually working on movies now. Is he really? Yeah. I know his brother is. No, he is. I had, I had very talented roommates. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry. No, that's good. That's good to know. <laughs> I, I saw it online the other day. I was yeah, like, oh. he, he's, he was very talented. But you'd always get annoyed that people would be like, why should I have to pay this much money for a video? And he's like, it takes so much time to edit a video versus just pictures. Like, you you pay what you get. What you get. And he's like, uh, you, you know, for him, I, I think you... You get a, a lot. <laughs> yeah. We I, we never we didn't use him. He was out of our price range. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, anywho, I, I I went on a tangent right at the end there. So <laughs> we will see you guys next week. <laughs> Have a great week. Bye.